Hey, what it is? It's your boy K. Murray died in between Sozo's own. Hey, let me tell you something, man. If you're not listening to 520 Collective Podcasts and Solomon's Porch Podcasts, bruh, something wrong. But look here. Be sure to check out my latest album, Here He Is, on all streaming platforms. But also, be sure to check out the new content and the latest things on tour on my artist page on Facebook. That's K. Murray GME. I love y'all. God bless y'all. Y'all already know what it is. 150. Collective, where music meets ministry and the indie artists take center stage. Take a ride through my old town, oh me, oh Sean, might need boats, cry oceans, here float down my old child, fear so broke, no hope round here, been trying to cope since like oh one, better slow down for your coastline, you might oh Sean. What's up? Welcome to this very special episode of 520 Collective Podcast. We are in the field on the Track Stars Podcasting Network. And you know what it is, 520 Collective. It is where music meets ministry and the indie artists take center stage. Uh, I am Eric Boston, and I'm with my guy, Nate Shelton. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Another podcast coming up in the books. Yeah, man, and of course we got the special edition um, of the podcast this episode. I'm excited. Uh, hopefully we do this justice, man, but I think it's something that uh, is important, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man, uh, well, before we before we get too deep into it, Nate, why don't you let people know where they follow you, where they hit you up? Well, you can find me at Twitter at IM underscore Nate Dog. That's where I uh, try to keep up with all the latest in CHH, new music, uh, focus on you know, all our uh, indie artist friends out there and promote their music, and overall, general, just you know, have some fun out there as well. So you can follow me there and uh, keep you up to date with what's going on. For sure, guys. And if you want to hit me up, uh, I'm on Twitter as well. It is at Eric Boston three, it's at Eric Boston and the number three. Love to talk to you. And um, before we tell you what is so special about this episode, uh, just want to give a couple of shout outs. The podcast has a couple of new partners that we are going to be featured on, and uh, those partners are Throne Connections Bridging Entertainment Network. And then we're also partnering up with James Media LLC. So keep an eye out for news uh, coming on that front uh they are going to be airing the podcast we're going to be doing some cross promotion a lot of good stuff so excited to have those new partners so shout out to them but uh nate you know the last month i mean it feels like it's been so much longer than a month since since the last podcast man because there's been so much stuff that's happened um not only in chh but in the world as a whole man uh and one of those things that happened was the passing of one of CHH's legends, right? I mean, he was um, part of the Gospel Gangsters. We're talking about Mr. Solo. Um, you know, he, he passed away. And that got us to thinking, man, like, you know, just looking at some of the responses and, and, and stuff. It's like, man, um, we need to do maybe a little bit better job of honoring those veterans that you know, started off the early days of the, of the genre. Um, 
And so we wanted to do that with this episode and, and give them uh, just just our appreciation, you know. And so that starts with the with the sad news, but we're going to try to make it as positive as we can here, Nate. Um, but, you know, all kind of rolling with uh, the passing of Mr. Solo. And we got a couple people before we really jump into the discussion that wanted to help us out, weigh in, and give us their, their thoughts on, um, you know, just what Solo meant to Christian hip-hop. So let's take a listen to that real quick. Yo, this is your man right here, DJ Rock Jesus. And what I can say about Solo, man, from the Gospel Gangsters, I mean, I, I, I didn't know him personally. I met him a couple of times and talked to him. And just by talking to him, he was definitely a humble brother. You feel me? He loved God with all his heart, man. And that brother has some great wisdom to wear, share with him about some certain stuff. And, you know, he's definitely going to be missed. He, he played an incredible role for CHH. And so I know where he's at. A lot of times we say rest in peace, but I'm saying rest in heaven because that's exactly where my brain at. So solo brother, definitely missed you, man. And you're going to be missed. You're going to be missed. Definitely going to be missed. But right now you're right where we want to be. All right. So that's all I can say about him. He was a, he definitely was a, a humble brother and a, he was definitely a great man of God, you know? All right. Peace. What's good, everybody? This is DJ Jeremiah, the track stars, giving a big shout out to 520 Collective for doing this tribute for the late great Mr. Solo of the Gospel Gangsters. What can I say about the Gospel Gangsters, man? They're a pioneering group out of L.A., man, who decided to leave the gang banging lifestyle and get saved and serve Christ through hip hop music. God used them to speak to the streets, man. And they were also an alternative for kids who were into Dr. Dre, Snoop, Dog Pound, and other West Coast acts. I got a little story to tell, man. In the early 2000s, a friend of mine at the time asked me to help them pass out flyers for the Gospel Gangsters because their album, The Exodus, just released and they needed help. I said, sure, no problem, man. And so we downtown Atlanta because this was the time of Megafest and we're passing out flyers. They were um, also at a booth and they were signing autographs, talking to their fans. And also, man, after that event, they helped feed us and they signed our shirts because we were wearing shirts with the Exodus on it, man. And um, it was just a fun time. man. so I, I appreciate that moment of time that I had a chance to spend with Mr. Solo and um Chili Baby. So, man, I really believe Mr. Solo will be truly missed. And I hope. Um, us as a community can help his family by giving to his GoFundMe and also buying their albums and streaming their music to help his family out. Thanks again for doing this, 520. This is DJ Jeremiah of the Track Stars, and I'm out. All right, shout out to D, uh, DJ Jeremiah and DJ I Rock Jesus for giving us their thoughts on. Um, solo and what he meant you know to the chh space and what he did for it um nate what what what, you know i think you and i were both talking and we both have um some thoughts on solo and the gospel gangsters in general why don't you start with just uh with your side of it man like like how did mr solo and the gospel gangsters impact uh, you as a fan of CHH? Well, as a fan, 
the gospel gangsters, uh, Mr. Solo, obviously the gang, gospel gangsters as a whole, for me, when I discovered them, shoot, this was late 90s, and I happened to, you know, be at a bookstore, and, you know, how, in, you know, you're younger, looking through the music, trying to find that one, you know, hip-hop album that might really catch your eye and stumble across them, and back then you could listen to the CDs before you bought them to see if you liked it, at least where I was at, I don't know about you personally, um, so, listen to it, I was like, man, this sounds like a lot of the mainstream stuff out there, and, you know, got it, listened to it. And Gospel Gangsters were the first, and I've heard this from multiple other people too, but the first CHH group that you felt comfortable listening around your friends and that weren't in church or go to church or whatever, they they accepted. I know a couple of my friends were like, this is pretty cool. And the content was still obviously, you know, they're talking about scripture-based stuff, but the way they did it, was acceptable for non-church people because because they're hearing stuff that is acceptable in the mainstream but you know kind of took them back you know i grew up originally when i first discovered chh and uh the christian hip-hop pid was the first real group that uh i listened to quite a bit preachers in disguise and of course you know for me as a kid growing up, I can't listen to that around their friends because it was so church theologically based and like, oh, you're listening to the preachers in disguise. Well, that's kind of corny. And so the gospel gangsters were the first real group that, you know, was kind of cool to listen to. You could listen to with your friends and, and everybody was, had their ears open to it. Yeah, man. You know, I think, uh, you and I both had, similar experiences uh and you hit on a lot of things i mean obviously we're gonna kind of talk about just some of those general experiences with chh but before we do that i'll definitely want to talk about solo for a minute uh you know for me personally i mean i was aware of gospel gangsters uh but i did not i, I wouldn't say i was necessarily a huge fan's not the right word because I, I liked and appreciated what they did because like you said they sounded like the mainstream they sound like the stuff i was listening to at the time you know which was the the west coast the g-funk um you know what death row and and ice cube and you know west side connection you know th those types of of artists were doing so the sound was familiar and i appreciated and man you know solo was a good rapper man i mean you know he was a strong lyricist his flow was good uh you know i think he could match up with the mainstream which at that time that was one of uh christian hip-hop's biggest hurdles to get over was being able to match up with what was coming out of the mainstream and, and he was able to do that you know um but as far as me personally the only album from gospel gangsters that i actually had was i can see clearly now but dude that title track it hooked me i mean it's one of my favorite all-time chh tracks um i mean i dare someone to listen to that and tell me that uh you know that it's not good <laughs> you know because i mean it a uh, uh, catchy hook the the verses are great uh the the production is bouncing it gets you moving so um you know that for me that was um my experience with uh 
with Mr. Solo and with Gospel Gangsters was was that album. And and like you said, you know, back then it wasn't you log on to a Spotify and can access you know countless CHH artists. It was you had to get in a car. I know I know this sounds crazy, but you had to get in an automobile and drive to the Christian bookstore, and then, like you said, you know, they had the like island with the little CD players that and, and the cheap headphones on there, and they had the demo copies. And you, you know, for me, it was I, I was looking for what caught my eye with cover art, and like, oh, well, this one, this one might be good, you know, so let me go try it out. Um, they were in a totally different space than like every other Christian hip hop. Um, artists at that point, uh, because they were so close to the what the mainstream was doing, right? And if you and and until probably the last few years, I didn't even really know their much about their debut album, Gang Affiliated. Because, like I said, we're out here in Oregon where I live, really, your Christian hip hop when I was growing up was extremely limited to DC talk. I found PID. Um, T-Bone, I did discover T-Bone but there was like a handful of artists or groups that I knew of so gang affiliated when I finally discovered that, that album today, even though it was 94 can still hold up to anything that's being put out right now just the story, the way the story art goes the content is just that is how talented Mr. Solo and the Gospel Gangsters were as a group Is when you can go back and listen to something 20 plus years ago and it's still, it's still moving you. That shows you where the talent level was that they were at. Well, not only not only did they have this, not only did they have the sound, but you know the imagery was there. I mean, if you go back and watch their videos, I mean they're they're in lowriders, you know, with hydraulics. They they have the same imagery as far as like the clothing that they wore, and um, you know, just that, just that presence that they portrayed you know now and, and the thing about it is is we know right it wasn't the it wasn't just a smart marketing ploy that they were doing right i mean th- this is the life that they came from um and they found a way to hold on to that and blend it with mm-hmm. this faith that they found and and they were very confident and convicted in, in sharing that gospel, um, and and doing it with the people that that they've always known. You know, you know, I'm grateful that uh, we were able to, you know, find artists like Gospel Gangsters, and then some of the ones that you and I are going to talk about. You know, you've already mentioned some of them. You know, I, I was the same way. You know, I dabbled with T Bone, obviously. You know, my parents. <laughs> They they were okay with DC Talk. There were some of these other ones like Gospel Gangsters that there was some uh, some eyebrows raised. We'll say it that way. Um, <laughs> but man, yeah, did you bring home the uh, bring home the Grape Tree Records album. Oh, dude, Grape Grape Tree, man. Because I mean, you know, at that time, um, you know, No Limit was huge. You know, I, and I was rocking that right. Master P Ghetto D, and uh, I, I mean, shoot, almost everything that. Uh, no limit put out they're putting out like 10 albums a week so you know it was everywhere mm-hmm. um yeah and then when great tree got going i mean they had the intent 
of being that Christian version of of No Limit, right? I mean, they were putting out a lot of projects. Exactly. Um, they had some of the flashier cover art, so it caught your attention. Um, you know, not always. You can't say that they were always the greatest artist, but there are some uh, really good. Um, projects that came out of those grape tree years you know including artists like little rascal new wine um man there was one group out in new orleans man uh ftf um they had an album called fireproof and if you liked that uh that no limit sound that was an album to have so uh yeah man grape tree and then um see and and here's what's kind of crazy because you and i you know obviously over the past couple of years have had these discussions and we've talked about uh the artists that we listen to um and mm-hmm. you know that a little bit in the late 90s but for sure the early 2000s man like that was a sweet spot for me personally because you had um you had a, a few different labels that were doing some really good stuff. I mean, you know, Goatee, Toby Max label was starting to right. sign artists like No Diverbs, yet Grits on Goatee, and then one of my all-time favorites is John Rubin. Um, so you had you know a good lineup that was building at Goatee, but then you had Syntax Records and you had Uprock, which Uprock was a division of Tooth and Nail records if if people are familiar with uh you oh, know, yeah. the, the indie rock you know christian indie rock label tooth mm-hmm. and nail so they had a division that was meant for hip-hop and that was up rock and on up rock you have easily my favorite um artists um in chh and that is like the, the deep space five crew which deep space five they're like um they're like the Wu Tang of of uh, CHH, man. I mean, it's a super group made up of individual, you know, solo artists and groups, uh, including Marzil, which I mean, man, child of Marzil is uh, my all time favorite uh, MC. Um, you had Listener uh, from the Lab Click. You had DJ Manuel as part of there. Um, you know, at the time he was going by Play-Doh, but now he's known as Crumb, mm-hmm. you know, uh, putting out the um, stuff with Theory Has It, that Crumb. Uh, he was Play-Doh then. Right. He was part of Deep Space Five and Ill Harmonics. Um, yeah, man. I mean, for me, is you know, very boom bap, um, you know, solid boom bap production, but man, the, the lyricism during that time is what i loved man if you are someone who you know really pays attention to wordplay and and delivery these guys had it man i mean at that point they were on par you know lyrically with the mainstream i felt you know you still just need the overall package to be a little bit better to really compete and then you go to syntax records and you had artists like um like Red Cloud and Sackcloth Fashion and another one of my favorite guys. Uh, he's, he's known as Jeremiah Dirt now, but, uh, you know, he was just going by Dirt then, part of Shadow of the Locust. Uh, another very boom bap um, style rapper. And, and, I mean, 
Uprock and Syntax both had really good rosters. They were a lot different than Grape Tree because Grape Tree was still going at that point. Um, you know, but more <clears throat> that backpack underground uh, vibe with these um, labels. But man, the, like, like I said, I mean, I love the the quality, and that's why, right. like, at the beginning of this year, like, it did my heart so good because we got a new EP from John Rubin, and we got a new uh, single for the first time in like <laughs> 16 years from Mars Ill. Win uh, win, um, man. I could go on for days, dude. But uh, I know it seemed like maybe Win Win was kind of an introduction of sorts for you to Marzil. What what'd you think of it? Right. Uh, uh, very solid. Um, I actually was introduced to Deep Space Five, the group, by my pastor a couple years ago. So, if discovered Crumb and all those guys. And that, like you said, lyr- if you're a lyricist uh, fan, definitely guys you need to listen to. Um, he didn't really, my pastor didn't really push Mars Ill. He's not, I guess he's not a big fan of him. Um, but yeah, definitely. I've noticed, you know, you talk about um, John Rubin putting the EP out, Mars Ill was single. We had Crumb, he released an album. These guys that we've grown up with are starting to bring back the music. You know, we got um, a couple other people. Uh, I heard after Mr. Solo passed away, he had been, he had just released, a, they released a single with New Wine. I don't know if you heard that one. I have not heard the single yet. I need to take a listen, though. It's on, it's on YouTube. It's not on any streaming service. Um, but that came out, and apparently there was a rumor that he was working, going to collab with Lecrae on a, a single, I think. So, they're, these OGs are starting to come back again. So, as it, we tie into what this whole point of this podcast was, was getting the younger guys to notice, you know, go back and look at your roots of the music and see how the genre really started and the work that was put in. And now, and kind of going off of that, we, we somebody we haven't mentioned either is Pedity. And he's uh, been putting music out. Yeah. And guys, we were, we were looking at how are we going to feature a song in this month's episode. You know, we're not going to break it down because the, the, we, there'd be no point in us doing it. But we are going to feature one. <laughs> I don't think Pedity needs any... Uh, uh, um advice from us music right right <laughs> so we're, we are going to feature one of Pettity's songs here in a minute but man yeah Pettity's another one of those guys man that you know he has carved out a long career and part of what he does um is that he has a very unique sound you know his vocal is very unique and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the major positives that he has going for him uh I can remember um you know he, he's a guy that I would grab you know his projects. You know that was kind of like uh, it was him and kind of T Bone during that time for me, um, and and I can still remember you know grabbing his and just hearing that that raspiness, that kind of you know that deep vocal, and be like, oh, okay, you know, um, <laughs> man, it, it reminded me of what was his name, Fiend, that was on No Limit. Uh, he, he had that same kind of yes. vocal and so i was like okay let's, let's check him out like uh i mean was Pettity one of the guys that you 
found out your way? Because I know I think he's from Florida, right? So, uh, yeah, he wasn't. I don't think I remember really listening to him much. Uh, uh, later on, and I did, but it wasn't what not uh, when I was growing up. Not really much that I was listening to. Okay. Well, um, you know, one of the part of the reason I, that I said let's let's play one of Petty's songs, we've been able to get connected with him and. You know, one thing that we've learned if you pay, if you follow him on social media or anything, was that, you know, literally the week before Mr. Solo passed away, Pettity and him were messaging back and forth. He, he put these screenshots up on his Twitter account and they were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, working on music together. Um, so I, it's disappointing that we did not get to see that happen, I feel like, uh, cause, right. You know, yeah, he, you go. You hear these stories now about, hey, we were going to work on this, and then this person was going to work with Mr. Solo, and this person is like, ah, oh, man, what people missed out on is just, you know, I mean, obviously the music's still there that he did before, but working with some of these newer artists, collaborating with them would have been a real, real treat, I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially because they, you know, I think they both have found a way to just evolve their sound and, and remain relevant. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, don't, I don't think that Pettity necessarily gets as, uh, as much credit as he deserves either by any means. But, um, you know, if you guys aren't listening to him, go, go and check him out. I mean, I know he got a little bit of, uh, I think a bump in just people's awareness of him. Cause he did work with poetics, um, last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, but he's, he's a guy that, you know, he's been out here and he's been grinding for years and, and really built up the CHH space. So, you know, I think people are saying, give people their flowers while they're here to appreciate him. Right. And I don't want to go necessarily mm-hmm. even that far but i'm just saying we need to appreciate these guys who stuck it out whenever chh was it, it wasn't easy to be a chh artist right like i mean we, we talk about how right um hip-hop started hip-hop in general started off as a sub genre in music right and it's grown to where it's the Mm -hmm. biggest genre now so you'd have to say that like back in the 90s christian hip-hop wasn't even a subgenre it was more of a niche right um it was definitely and and now it's evolved into a subgenre status and it's because of what these artists did to push it forward and, and to help gain, gain that credibility. So, um, if you guys have not, uh, heard Petty, we love that we get a chance to, uh, feature his song. I'm on it, uh, here on the podcast. And if you stick around after the song, we do have an industry insider interview this month. It is with the plug of CHH is Aaron Knight. Uh, definitely was exciting to talk to her so stick around for that interview as well nate you got any final thoughts um i'm just you know reminiscing about all this stuff and music that we grew up listening to the history of cha of christian hip-hop just i i was really excited to do this and unfortunately the circumstances were just terrible uh, losing mr solo but 
it's nice to be able to do this and kind of get some recognition for the guys that help pay the pave the way for the artists now. For sure, for sure. Like I said, guys, stick around, listen to the Aaron Knight interview. Uh, but right now, we're gonna let play you out of this segment with "I'm On It" by Petty D. It's 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 time for the 520 podcast song breakdown, sponsored by Show Me Price Records. Turn me 
Hey guys, what's up? This is Eric with 520 Collective and the 520 Collective Podcast. I want to talk to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way possible to make a podcast. Let me break it down for you. One, it's free. That's right. No cost to use Anchor. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So if you want to get on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many, many more, then it's really, really easy, guys. You just set up an Anchor account at anchor.fm. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Again, make money, no minimum listeners. You're not going to find that anywhere else. It's everything you need to make a podcast, and it's all in one place. So go right now and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And make sure you let them know you heard it on 520 Collective Podcast. Welcome to this month's Industry Insider Interview, brought to you officially by bookkeeper247.com. All right, guys, what's up? Shout out to the bookkeeper247.com for sponsoring this industry insider interview. As always, make sure you hit up the bookkeeper247.com for great CHH content. And joining me right now on the Trackstars Podcasting Network phone line, uh, man, she does so much behind the scenes. I'm excited to talk to her and just get some of that wisdom. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, if you ask around, she is the plug that maybe holds this whole thing together. I'm being joined by Aaron Knight. What's going on, ma'am? What's up? <laughs> That's so funny. The plug. Right? The plug. I love that. Well, yep. well let's talk about it. How, how did you become this this plug, this go-to person, you know, within Christian hip-hop? Um, so, I, I can't honestly say I know for sure. I can tell just like a quick backstory of how I got involved. But yeah. Um, I used to work in rock music, so I was a rock manager, and uh, I did like a couple of turns on the Vans Warp Tour with my band. Um, we started throwing shows in Atlanta. Not a lot, a lot of events, like tiny events, though, like 100 capacity shows, 150 capacity shows. Um, just like hanging out with my friends, like really loving the music scene in Atlanta. It felt like God was telling me I needed to move to the um, and I was scared because I had spent five years building things. I had pulled like so much energy, equity, you know, love, sweat, and tears, including money. And uh, we had started a label, we toured overseas, like we had done a lot, but we still really weren't making any money. We were throwing everything back into the band. And so um, I left from them, worked in France for a little bit here in Atlanta, and then uh, I put a couple months into working in the uh, I found this kid online named Caleb Mitchell, and uh, I wasn't really into hip hop. Again, I came up in the rock scene. Even though I'm in Atlanta, like I love OG hip hop. Like at that time, it was mo- mostly like Outkast, Ludacris, but I was not really into like the street rap that was going on in the city. Uh, and, like, like I guess it was like 2014, 2015. I wasn't really into it. So, Xavier uh, Omar. He reposted Caleb on SoundCloud, which is my favorite site to still discover music. And uh, it was a song called SOS, and it gave me chills. 
And uh, so I was like, man, I got to reach out to this kid. Awesome. That's what's up. Well, I know that I... One thing that I love is being able to follow you on, on Twitter because you throw out these these little gems that just like hit home for me. Um, so before I dive into maybe asking a little bit about that, um, tell people where can they follow you uh, to make sure they're getting the latest from what's going on with you. For sure. Um, I'm at the Aaron Effect on all socials. So that T-H-E... E-R-I-N-N-A-F-F-E-C-C. Um, I know EFF is grammatically correct, but I don't care. It's art. So, and I like the acronym T. Um, but don't forget the two N's. It's M with two N's because my mom knew I was going to be doubly awesome. So she added an extra N to my name. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, so, yeah. So whenever I'm following you, I see how open you are to people. And like, even whenever you go onto like your, your website, you know, the very first thing that's there is like, hey, ask me anything. Like, like, what brought you or, or what instilled that approach in you to just be like, hey, I want to help people however I can. I'm going to put out, you know, the stuff I learn onto my social medias. I'm going to make myself available. <clears throat> I think, uh, I don't know. I've always liked people my entire life. I'm like the most people person you'll ever meet. Um, even though I think I'm like pretty much an introvert, I'm like an hour facing introvert. I have to be alone and in silence most of the day, but when I'm out, like I really just want to talk to people, love on people. But so like my whole life, I've been a people person. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, being a woman in music, especially starting out as like a black woman in rock music and then moving over to like, uh, hip hop. And being in the Atlanta scene, but being saved, like all of those things have, um, I've always been like swimming upstream, I guess, like going against the current. And so I never could find the answers that I needed. Um, like, bless God that we live in the internet era. I would Google everything to death. I would pay to go to conferences and like listen to industry grades. I was always on YouTube watching videos. Um, but even when I first started in like 2011, 2012, the internet has grown in information like exponentially. So uh, for me, when I was in high school and middle school, there was a website called Ask Jeeves. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And so like Ask Jeeves stopped serving me probably my junior year in high school. But like seventh, eighth, ninth grade year, I was always like... <laughs> what's the critical mass of whatever whatever you know like just random questions because i was just so fascinated that i could just like literally search random things and this is before google was the power system that it was i'm if i'm not mistaken i think ask g was bought by google um so yeah i just was fascinated with that but then when i started getting into like more specific to me questions like uh i played basketball in high school and almost went like for it in college like what's the what's the restriction on NCAA players when it comes to drinking caffeine? Like stuff for me, I couldn't find the answers to, you know. And so I think that that's always just fed into my like my need for knowledge. I just love learning stuff. Um, so then transitioning into the music scene, I felt like I was always looking for a mentor or somebody just to ask simple questions to, like, can you please explain publishing to me? Like again. 
Like I just read what this lawyer said online. I just watched this video and I'm really confused. Can you explain publishing to me? And so, um, yeah, I had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way. And in my life, my desire is that like if I can make a portion of my hardship a little bit easier on somebody else, then it was worth it. You know what I'm saying? So like if my struggle can allow me to help other people, then um, then that makes my struggle worth it. So I think that's where it comes from. Like my love for Ask Jeeves and then um, my desire to empower people to be the best version of themselves. I think I probably would have been a lot further faster if I had somebody to answer the questions that I have. But I think it allowed me to find my purpose in my niche because now I'm a knowledge base for a whole side of the internet or a whole section of people in Atlanta. They're like, oh, just sit up here and she's going to know the answer to that. Um, or she's going to know somebody who can answer that. So if it had been easier for me, I would have never cared so much about people. But I think because it was so hard for me, it made me empathetic to the plight of people who don't have a place to turn. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we see the, the fruits of that labor that you put into it. Um, cause I mean, I'm constantly seeing artists that have, you know, been able to, you know, take advantage of like those conference calls that you offer. Uh, and they're like, man, I just learned so much from, from Aaron, you know, that I'm going to go out and apply right now. And you can hear that, like the excitement in their voice. Um, how is it for you spending that time with like, these indie artists that are really trying to find their way um it's super exciting for me uh one because i feel like i'm allowing somebody to skip steps and i used to have this like pinned thread like on my on my twitter that was like i don't want to manage you don't even ask me but i can help you skip steps um and that was something for me like i had to run up two steps, run back down three steps, run up one step. And it just took me forever to get certain places. And, and now I feel like I'm allowing people to take two or three steps at a time just by having a conversation with me. So I really enjoy it. I like teaching again, like I said. Um, and then it's something that I was doing already with my friends for free. Like my website was born out of frustration because everybody that did music would call me and be like how do I do this what do I do about this and it took up my whole day like again I used to nanny so I did that for 10 years all while working in music so I had the freedom to pick up my phone and I would just be frustrated because I'm like somebody should be paying for this knowledge you know what I'm like I'm like I spent all the time to learn this and nobody's paying for it so I started my website I used to charge $20 for a call and only a few people would call me or people would email me like, yo, I don't really have $20. So again, after I started my website in 2015, 2016, I still was only getting like, maybe if I was lucky one person a month buying a phone call with me. Um, so now my prices are definitely higher, but I have people calling me nonstop because they believe in the value that I bring only because of who I work with. And not that I've grown that much in the last two years, but the amount of artists that have passed through my fingers in the last three or four years has grown exponentially. So now people are like, okay, even though I don't want to spend this money, some people are like that. I don't want to spend the money, but I think it's worth it. And I tell people when they get on the phone call, I said, either you're going to get off this call and figure out a way to hire me, or you're going to get off the call and be frustrated that you can't. You're not going to get off the call and not feel like you got value. And that's something that I'm so confident in, which is why my prices are set the way that they are, because uh, 
I just know that I have so much value to bring to people. And so it's exciting for me to share it. And it's exciting that I can finally make, make money off of it now because I feel like it's worth monetizing, you know? Like I spent 10 years acquiring this knowledge and you get it in a 35-minute phone call with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And once again, guys, I am joined on the Track Stars Podcasting Network phone line by Miss Erin Knight. You know, you t- you talked about the manager aspect, and I didn't initially have this in mind, but I want to follow up on that. Um, you know, I think I've seen a lot of artists like on Twitter though, just randomly like, "I need a manager." You know, <laughs> I think they just hit that point where they're maybe frustrated. And I think one thing about CHH is there's definitely a need for people kind of like behind the scenes in those type of roles so you know not not everyone can be an artist even even if even if we want to right um what's what's your advice or or your take on say say i'm one of those people that is like man maybe i should get into managing you know like like what would be your advice for them Yes, I have. Yes, if you want to be a manager, please hit me up. We need more managers, please, so I can start pointing people to the right people. Yeah, um, I would say if you want to be a manager, you have to be a learner, but you have to be super uh, sacrificial, right? Um, so, not that in order to be a manager, you have to be saved, but I feel like uh, Christ shows us. So many managerial aspects, like seriously, and being a parent. If you're a parent, I like, man, I'm not a parent yet, but I've been a nanny for years and I see so many similarities. Uh, well, I'm not a nanny anymore, but I, I was a nanny for a decade. I see so many similarities between my artists and children, and not that they're children, but um, being an artist manager is a thankless job. You will do all of <laughs> the work and get none of the rewards, and then your artist will still be mad at you that the reward didn't turn out as good as they wanted it to. So, um, like, this is not for the faint at heart. Uh, I've been working in uh, music for almost 10 years. I think it'll be 10 years in September. Uh, so, no, this is not something that, like, I just started making a full-time living off of it last year. I've always at least had a part-time job. Um, most of the time, two full-time jobs because I'm fronting a lot of the money because I, like, wanted to empower my artists and I would believe in stuff. So if you're looking to, like, manage somebody this week and then next year y'all are going to be making money, this is definitely not um, what you want. But if, if if you're a hustler, if you're a learner, if you really like seeing, like, creating something out of nothing, um, and if you really like loving people well to um, discover what they're really put here to do, I would say, like, yeah, for sure. Being a manager is amazing. I think even there's so many artists right now who are trying to be artists, like you said, um, and they really need to be a manager. There's so many producers right now who are only trying to be producers who should be also being managers. Um, if you've been in the scene and you kind of see how it goes, like, I think there's something, like, I get hit up by guys all the time. They're like, man, I've been making music for 10 years, and I've only got a 1,000 streams, but I've tried this, this, and this, and I'm working really hard on this, this, and this, and I listen to the music, and I'm like, it's not that great, but your ideas are phenomenal, or, like, your ideas aren't that great, but I think if you were to partner with somebody, you'd probably be a great manager, but people get offended by that. You know, they're like, no, I'm trying to be an artist. It's like, that's dope. (laughs) Like, that's dope. Like, even when I first started, I thought I only wanted to be a manager, Um, But then when I started realizing that people were referring to me 
based off the proximity that I was to an artist, I was like, no, I'm my own person. If this artist wasn't here, I would still be successful. And so I think that's something for me, uh, as I grow, whether I manage somebody or not, people are starting to identify, okay, like it is Aaron who's, you know, and also God, but it's Aaron who's bringing these results forward. Um, and it just so happens to be that she's partnering with phenomenal artists. So it's accelerating their growth, you know, but, um, I don't ever personally want to be relegated to an artist. So I feel like artists or managers don't have to be relegated just to that. If you're a producer, you don't have to just be a producer, but yeah, I think a lot of artists should pivot. Pivots like are so important for careers. And I think one of the interesting things about being involved in like, you know, a, a subgenre like Christian hip hop is that compared to some other, you know, genres where, you know, like they're established and, and, and you know what it is. And so like, you know, a rock band can just be concerned about what they're doing. I feel like there's a lot of us that are in CHH that we generally want or genuinely want to see, you know, the, the whole genre grow. Um, and so one thing I always like to ask, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, uh, being in the position that you're in is like, what do you see going on in CHH and, and what would you like to see happen in order to keep pushing it forward? Yeah, I think that, um, Christian hip hop is in a really good place. Like I was never part of the like golden era or anything like that. Like I said, I just got involved in like, like three and a half years ago and I had just heard about it like four years ago. So I never got to live in like, you know, a lot of people are like, whatever, whatever, this is the golden era. Like I like I have heard you know, like there's a like what's the guys uh, like I've heard Tunnel Rats before. Um you know what I'm saying? Like again, like the first project I ever heard from the Crows Anomaly, but um so most of my understanding of the genre has been retroactively learning and then just hearing from people. But I think it's in a phenomenal state. Um I think anybody who's looking down on the genre is probably not listening to it. Like, a lot of the up-and-comers are really just doing some incredible things. Nobody's scared to be them, or most people aren't scared to be themselves right now. So you can have somebody like Curtis Hoppy, who's literally, like, prophesying in his music. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have ones like that, and then you can have ones like Cannon, who are talking about, like, the street life that he lived um like about his mate his cousins getting shot you know what I'm saying still talking about like people that he knows dealing with drug issues so it's like so those two people to be able to coexist and not just coexist but tour together I think stuff like that just shows like how dope the scene is and then you have somebody like RG and like Tommy Royale who are doing Latin music in the scene and like unapologetic but still talking about like their relationship with girls um RG talking about like uh his family story and his father getting deported you know what I'm saying like I think and then even uh on the fringes of the scene people who are just kind of dipping in and out somebody like Caleb you know like getting signed to Def Jam and then like just talking about like really like tough stuff especially in this new music that he has coming out so I think that this scene is in such a good place and then you have people like Aaron Cole who can do like R&B and then he's doing worship music and then still rapping so I think people are just as creative as ever so um I, I think it's a, in a very cool place I think that um something that's really been like a personal mission of mine over the last year or so just because I have so many people who I know and so many people are like passing through Atlanta or live in Atlanta I've really been on like uh like a unification type tip you know like I really want people to be unified like 
why do y'all have beef but y'all never really had a conversation or why do you think this person doesn't like you like I'm very like head on with confrontation because I feel like confrontation shows people where you stand and then it, it ultimately leads to understanding I think people don't like confrontation because it's uncomfortable but like uncomfortable things live, lead to ideal outcomes so um yeah I've just been like really pushing people like have that conversation like come over to my house like let's talk to bro like you know what I'm saying like so I think that that's something that could grow in this scene like uh unification but I feel like I see it happening I see a lot of guys reaching out to each other hashing stuff out I see a lot of older guys coming back and being like hey like to the younger guys like we haven't done well with you guys I see a lot of women stepping up which is what I'm really excited about I think um for me the blessing of not being brought up in the Christian hip hop scene is that I never knew that I wasn't supposed to do anything. So when people were looking at me like, are you doing this? I didn't realize that it wasn't supposed to be done by women, so to speak. Um, so I think that's another place that Christian hip hop could grow is, uh, uh, inviting women in, but also, uh, amplifying women's voices. Uh, there's so many dope women, uh, in the world, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I have to say this one time, like, uh, a woman is like the neck of the body, like, we're what causes it to turn and swivel. We're allowed, we help you see what's going on because without your neck, you can't see danger or see a new road or whatever. So I think that for a while, uh, Christian hip hop has had tunnel vision because they didn't allow their neck to steer them, you know? Um, and so I think empowering women's voices right now, um, whether it be on the artist side, or like hiring more executives like people don't really know how much women are doing for this scene like for instance um like rick uh she works for sony she's based in nashville and she's um just a phenomenal business mind um so she's a genius like if you can pay her to consult if you're a bigger artist i would say pay her right now because she's a genius but she's the reason that like so many of the sony artists who like have uh even like she works with Kirk's camp, like a lot of different camps, but she's such a like big part of Christian music, especially on the like more urban side. Um, there's people like, uh, I don't know. There's, there's, I don't want to start naming names because somebody's going to get offended. Obviously like Wande, I love her. Um, her music has grown so much in the last like two or three years. I just started managing her in like December, but we've been friends for years. Um, and, she, she's a young mogul. We started working together on a business tip and then it just turned into a friendship and then it turned into like now music management. But yeah, I think that, and then I think CHH could get better at being less entitled. Um, I, again, I'm in Atlanta, so I don't, um, I'm not relegated just to Christian hip hop. I make my money all sorts of ways. Like I throw parties and events. I have liquor sponsors come in and do stuff. One of my artists is like the grill king of Atlanta, so we throw like grill parties. So I'm in all different scenes, you know, like I've, I've worked with beauty and fashion influencers. So I think I have a decent scope of understanding um, about the way that the world works. And only in Christian hip hop do I have people DM me like, hey, can you do this for me? Or hey, sis, like whatever, whatever, like literally big in my bio, it says do not DM me because I feel like that's just because just because you can shoot a DM does not mean you have access to me. So I feel like the proper means of conversation is reach out through a friend and see if you can get connected or shoot me an email, right? Um, I would prefer the email because 
that's just a way to do it. But um, yeah, in CHH, people are just very entitled. They want to like they want to be put on by affiliation, or they want to say that they're talking about God. Therefore, they deserve a slot. If I believe that we serve the Creator of the universe, the greatest to ever do it, and who will ever do it, then why are we not doing our personal best to be the best? Um, and so I feel like that's something. In Christian hip hop, people won't push themselves because they have this expectation. Well, I'm doing it for God, so it's okay. Um, and they're not really open to feedback. People will send me their thoughts and ask for my feedback, but they don't really want it. And I know that, so I'll give them like, "Oh, this is cool. That's interesting." Um, but with my artists, I think the reason that I thrive with them is because I'm brutally honest. I'm like, "No, this sounds like a Travis Scott rip, or um, that bar is super corny. You could try harder." You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's the brutal honesty that I have, um, and I think that. Christian hip hop needs more of that, but I think part of the entitlement will subside when people start educating themselves. You know, it's so much easier to succeed in Christian hip hop, and I don't say that as a cop out, but if you can get decent album artwork, if you're a solid human and you can like talk to people and network, then you can usually get places that most people wouldn't. And in the regular hip hop scene in Atlanta, you could have like I can throw a rock and hit fifteen amazing rappers right now, like in a, like amazing rappers. But like they have good skill, they have like they could have the dopest music videos, and still nobody's paying attention to them. Christian hip hop, you only need to be like kind of cool and like make sure that you're talking to the right people and you could start you know like opening up shows and getting on tours and stuff like that but um yeah i just think there's an education aspect that's missing i think people need to stop being entitled and put their head down and work you know and i think there's just so many like free resources so i i would love to see that grow in christian hip-hop yeah yeah for sure and i think one thing that you're uh that i'm kind of hearing out of what you're saying is also like something that i'm really big on is i feel like there's um this level of accountability within chh that needs to go up both in people that's willing to hold other people accountable in the right way and then on the other side of it being willing to accept that accountability at the same time so definitely definitely stuff that's uh important and i hope to see so uh, i know you mentioned the um the social medias what about the website uh, yeah, so my website, yeah, I guess I should plug that, right? My website is managemeco.com. So manage me is what everybody always asks me to do. So I just made my manage uh, website that. So it's managemeco.com. Um, and you can find me there or you can look at my social media and it'll be in my bio. That's what's up, guys. Go and hit the site up. It is a valuable tool. It's awesome that it's available. So support it. I mean, nothing else support it. Um, man, Aaron, we appreciate you so much jumping on and just, you know, taking the time to give us these, you know, just the, this knowledge and, and these pearls of wisdom. Hopefully people can take it and apply it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to maybe, you know, get you back on the podcast down the road as well. For sure. I won't rant as long. No, you're good. I love it. I love it. So, uh, <laughs> I've been by myself a lot. I'm ranting. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, we appreciate you. We uh, are thankful for your time. Um, guys, make sure you go follow the social media accounts, hit up the website, all that great stuff. And, um, you know, just really support what Aaron and the team are doing um, for artists, for the culture, all the above. So, 
This has this is the Industry Insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast, and we will see you guys on the next pod.